What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, Just call me Swanee. Finally, Clemson Sports Talk has come back to drive time. Hello, everybody. Lawton Swan back in the saddle once again. It is the show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk for you each and every afternoon as you make your way around the great state of South Carolina and beyond, listening to us on fantastic radio stations like Fox Sports Radio 1400 in the Midlands, Sports Radio 100.1 The Fan in Florence at 920 a.m. in Manning. Good to have you and all the podcast listeners checking out our program. Head over to the website ClemsonSportsTalk.com. That's Clemson sportstalk.com you can join for just 18 cents a day that's $63.17 that's right I said it $63.17 to be a part of what we do and continue to help us grow and on a Friday afternoon out of the gate oh this is going to be fantastic Ryan McGee from ESPN joins us he grew up in the upstate of South Carolina uh, spent time up in the triangle in the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina as well and does, does a tremendous job for ESPN. Ryan, welcome into the program, my man. Good to have you on, and it's great to catch up with you. How you doing? I appreciate it. Yeah, my my uh, my tenure as a ninth grade uh, um, headmaster school headmaster is going well. I'm, <laughs> I'm a terrible math tutor, but I'm a good homeschool principal at this point. So yeah, but I'm it's it's uh, everybody at my house is healthy and safe, so we're all right. Yeah, we've instituted. Uh, we're off on Fridays here in the Swan School District, so it's going pretty well on that front. But uh, right, I wouldn't add. I was I was off most Fridays anyway when I was in actual school, so I, I'm I'm on board with that plan. Yeah, the kids think it's about them. It's really more about mom and dad. But nonetheless, yeah. I do want to ask you. Um, you know, we're t- kind of diving into the lives of people and how they got into sports and their earliest memories. So for you, you grew up in Raleigh before moving to Travelers Rest, where you would go to high school. But at, at what point? kind of along your life journey did sports really start to impact you well i mean i think we all I mean, hopefully everybody's fortunate enough boy girl whatever to to play youth sports which is where it started with me but my my father was a college football official he was a referee and in fact we're he and i are writing a book about it right now that'll be out in september and um growing up in a house with a dad 
who spent every weekend, you know, he, he was a college administrator. So he worked at Meredith College in Raleigh. He worked at uh, Gardner-Webb uh, College back then, uh, just up the road, you know, North Carolina. He worked at Furman, which is how we ended up in, uh, in Greenville, and me at TR. And I grew up in a house where Dad was working during the week. And on Friday afternoons, when I was a little guy, he was going to reference high school football games and then small college football games. And then, you know, as a teenager, he was getting on planes and going and covering gigantic football games. I mean, the first really huge game he, he uh, officiated was there in Death Valley uh, in 1982. And so it was um, uh, that's the house I grew up in. And sports were just a constant. It was me, my brother, uh, my dad, my mom. And, um, you know, it was my dad was a college baseball player. Uh, we were a baseball house in the summer and a college football house in the, in the fall. Well, and I think about it, you mentioned in your brother there, I know those sibling rivalries at times, if the age gap is right, can be uh, tremendous for motivating yeah. players and kind of taking them up to the next level. Now, are y'all close enough in age that that was a part of your existence when you were younger as well? Yeah, we're three years apart on the calendar and we're two years apart when it came to school. And so, yeah, absolutely. And we moved. We moved a lot. We basically moved every three or four years. And so, you know, like when we moved to Travers Rest, we moved between my sophomore and junior year of high school. We moved before, right before my brother's freshman year of high school. And um, when you move around a lot, you know, your brother becomes your best friend and your worst enemy all at the same time because a lot of times it's just y'all. You don't know anybody else. And when we walked into the high school there, TR, for the first time, and uh, we knew no one except for each other. And so uh, there's certainly a bomb that comes with that, and there's certainly some fights that come with that. And so, yeah, we were baseball players, and um, eventually I ran track. And uh, my brother actually played a little college baseball, Wake Forest, tried to anyway. And um, so, yeah, we were, we were super competitive. But, you know, our dad was literally a referee. So I think it helped because uh, dad could officiate um, the sports and also the fights. Ryan McGee here on Clemson Sports Talk again. He's the co-host of Marty and McGee. And, and I just want to get into maybe some of the times when you were a kid in Raleigh and maybe there's high school football going on where there's some big-name guys that you know maybe most people might not know because they didn't go on to illustrious careers that you could remember thinking to yourself, oh, man, if I was just this guy right now. Do you have any of those kind of memories too? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, and, and, I, and I grew up in – I was born in Rockingham, North Carolina, which is very much a Friday Night Lights town, you know. It, it, it was uh, Richmond County High School. It has always been like a, a big superstar, you know, uh, high school football program. And then uh, going up to Raleigh and, and then obviously coming down to Greenville. But there were players that I saw that I just – you know, you see them and you think, that's the greatest athlete I've ever seen. And he never heard from him again. <laughs> and it was, you know, and I think it was a guy named Lewis and Raleigh. In fact, somebody put out on Twitter the other day, they said, uh, they said, who's the one athlete that you hated but you respected their abilities? And everybody's throwing out, like, you know, Barry Bonds and whatever else. And I said, Lewis. Lewis, when I was in, uh, you know, playing junior <laughs> high ball in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Lewis hit about five bombs off of me that looked like Mark McGuire. And uh, I hated his guts, but uh, but I certainly respected his ability. And I was convinced that Lewis would play in the big leagues for 30 years and go to Cooperstown. And uh, I have no idea what Lewis is doing. So if you're out there, dude, uh, you racked me hard. I could not. Uh, I couldn't get the fastball past him. 
Ryan McGee throwing it way back to Lewis, taking him yard several times <laughs> in Little League here on the show. And and I think that's one of the great things that really bonds not just uh, sports fans, but, but communities. I mean, you mentioned it, that Friday night lights feel. My dad was a high school principal, and while he was the principal, they won several state titles and played for even more. And I can remember the smell of that fresh cut grass on a Friday night. I don't know if there's anything much better than that, honestly. Oh, no, and that was it, man. You know, it's funny because I, mean, I mentioned this book. Um, I mean, shameless plug. We got a book coming out in, in September, and I'm writing it with my brother and my father. And, you know, one of the scenes in the book is the three of us sitting around in my basement. We all live in Charlotte now, and we all live five miles apart. First time since we lived in Travers Rest that all of us have lived in the same place at the same time. Dad's retired now, and lives. he lives three miles away, and my brother lives exactly a mile and a half. So he lives exactly halfway in between us. And we were sitting around in my basement working on the book and laughing, and, and my brother looked at me, and he said, what's your favorite part of, you know, covering – games and I'm like getting to the stadium early and that was the part that we loved when we were kids and we would get to go with dad to a college football game that he was officiating and we get to walk into the stadium three hours early and they've just cut the grass and you know they're playing music over the loudspeaker and there's you know the star quarterbacks out there going through his calisthenics or whatever and you know we get to go to Clemson and and hang out you know three hours before kickoff when we were kids and then you know we were ball boys at Furman when Furman was so good in football in the late 80s when they won national champs national champs 89 yeah 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 and, and that's when we were there and so so getting there early and and uh, and kind of feeling like you're part of the game. I mean, that's the absolute best part. It's still my favorite part of the day. If I'm covering a game, whether it's in Death Valley in, in Clemson or whether it's at Stanford, I love getting to the state. I ask, when are you going to open the gates? And the minute they open the gates, I come walking in with my backpack because that is my favorite part of the whole experience is getting there early. And you look around and you think, man, did they know I'm in here? Because I feel like security would escort me out if they knew I was here this early. On Twitter, he's at ESPN McGee, Ryan McGee here on Clemson Sports Talk, taking a look at his life in sports. And I think there's a, a I don't know if it's a strange parallel or correlation, but you, when you think about writing in, in, as you're growing up, you don't think about sports necessarily in school. But when guys like yourself are able to mesh that and, and kind of you know turn the, the literary side of things into the sports perspective, uh, it's so unique. When did you start to kind of notice that, okay, my writing skills are good enough that that this is something I can do as well? Well, you know, truth be told, you know, I went to I went to college. Uh, I studied broadcasting. Like I wanted to work in TV and radio, and, and not necessarily on TV or on the radio. I wanted to, you know, be a producer. I was a television producer for years. But my favorite part of the whole experience was writing. And I grew up, and my, my grandfather worked at the Richmond County Daily Journal, the newspaper in Rockingham, North Carolina, from the time he was 13 years old, back when it was legal for 13-year-olds to work, right. <laughs> uh, all the way up until he passed away at 88. I mean, he worked there for all you know, all that time. And so I grew up in a newspaper. I'm still in my office in Charlotte. I still have a printer's drawer uh, from my grandfather's desk that hangs on the wall. And I kind of put little mementos from, from stuff I cover up in that in a printer's drawer as a, like a frame. And so I grew up reading the newspaper, and, and I grew up reading – 
the great columnists, and, and not only that, but I think about like you know, like in the Greenville News, they used to carry Louis Grizzard's column from the Atlanta Journal Constitution, and you know that Southern sense of humor, and you know he started as a sports writer, and those were those were the guys that I grew up reading, and um, you know the glory days of Sports Illustrated, and so when I was a television producer, I used to write scripts for features that I was working on, and one day. Uh, not too long after I'd started at ESPN, they started ESPN the magazine, and they were looking for help on a motorsport story, and they called me uh, to basically do some research, and I ended up writing the story, and that was like ESPN the magazine's second or third issue, and I was with them all the way until we printed the last issue uh, last year. So it's you know I, I'm just very fortunate, but the, but the writing was always my favorite part, uh, even when I was a TV producer, and so. Uh, to get to sit there. And again, when I was a kid and dad would cover football games, I had my first sideline credential when I was 13 years old. And to get to go into the press box at Duke and Clemson and Virginia and North Carolina, these places where I traveled with dad when he was officiating games and watch these great sports writers in the press box doing their thing, I never dreamed I'd, I would I'd get to do that one day. And uh, again, don't tell anybody. I feel like I'm kind of stealing money. If anybody figures out I'm doing this for a living, they're going to go, hey, man, you got to go get a real job. Right, McGee, on Clemson Sports Talk. And you mentioned uh, your writing. You've published several several books during your career. And uh, you're telling us about the one that you're working on now with your, your father and brother. How unique is that for you guys to be able to sit down as a family and kind of go through some of these memories? And maybe even not unique, but just how special is it to be able to share that with uh, your brother and dad? Well, it's just... Honestly, we're probably not going to make any money off this book, and we don't care because in the end, um, it was just been fun. We've been talking about doing this. You know, any any kid who ever grew up in a house with a with a parent who was a sports official or a coach. Um, I mean, you know, you could probably write a great book about your dad's days as a principal. I mean, the stories are off the chart, right? And right. so for us to finally be able to sit down and these stories that we've told and we've heard my dad tell our entire lives, for us to finally get to share that. And, you know, uh, I mean, again, it, it, it's getting to be behind the rope, but then it's also just it's, it's understanding that on the field there's three teams. There's the two teams playing in the game, and whether people want to believe it or not, the, the officials are actually human beings. And, yes, they make mistakes, but they're out there because they love it. And, uh, and you know, the, Clemson and Louisville slept in the nice hotel and flew in the charter plane, and the officials, you know, they probably rode in on a van and slept in the Holiday Inn <laughs> Express. So, you know, but, but, but I, you know, I feel like we learn football from a different perspective, and so to get to share that and to get to share some of Dad's great stories, um, yeah, it's, I mean, labor of love is a tired term, but, man, that's what this is. And it's just a, it was an excuse for the three of us to just, you know, sit around and go to a barbecue joint and talk. And uh, my job was to try to get it all into words. Ryan, when you go back and you're in high school now, you've moved to South Carolina, you're, you're at Traveler's Rest. Uh, how did things compare to what you were accustomed to back in Raleigh and previously in Rockingham, just in terms of uh, the, the fanfare towards maybe not even high school football, but college football as well in the state of South Carolina? So, and we write this in the book, when, when I grew and again, growing up in the Triangle, 
in the 80s was an amazing time. Um, you know, you're talking about this is when NC State and North Carolina were winning national championships in basketball and when Duke became Duke. And, you know, you look at the football, the, the, the teams weren't that memorable. But NC State was playing Penn State, you know, and Duke was playing against, you know, the West Coast teams and North Carolina was playing Oklahoma. I mean, and the schedule was ridiculous, but I'll never forget, um, and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, it's a fact. Uh, my, we grew up going to these games on Tobacco Road, and then my dad had his first assignment at Clemson. And I remember him coming home that night and just being taken aback because he'd never been to Death Valley. And this would have been 1982. So, I mean, they're right off the national championship. I mean, Danny Ford's at the height of his powers. And, uh, you know, it's Rodney Williams and those guys. And I remember dad coming back and going, guys, you don't even understand what I just saw, and he was just talking <laughs> about the Death Valley experience, and he's talking about he's talking about the vans painted orange, and the you know the hearses painted orange with orange tiger tails hanging out of them, and you know the big orange paws on every road leading into the stadium, and you know at the time, you know sixty some thousand people and, and running down the hill, and he said, guys, you we think we've seen college football, we have not seen college football. That's college football, and so that 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 was part of this amazing experience and then to move down the tree to TR and to be right in the backyard of that and to move right into the middle of that South Carolina Clemson rivalry in the eighties. Um, it was, uh, I mean, it was a gift, man. And so, so to be in Raleigh, um, on tobacco road during the glory days, but then to come down to upstate South Carolina, um, you know, and it's, it's Georgia and Clemson and Clemson to South Carolina and South Carolina and Georgia. And it was like, uh, man, what have we walked into down here? Ryan McGee on Clemson Sports Talk. Ryan, I'll ask you, a lot of people that move to the state tell me, they say, uh, people will, you know, when they say, oh, well, where are you from? Uh, I'm from, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania. And then they say, well, who are you for? You know, who are you for? Are you for Clemson or South Carolina? Right. Did people make you, right. did people make you draw that line pretty early? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and, and then, you know, right out of college, uh, I went to, and I went to Tennessee. Right. right out of college, I went up to, uh, I moved up to Connecticut. And I'm living in Bristol, Connecticut. And they go, so now, where are you from? And I'd say, well, I'm 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 from the Carolinas, because you know I, I really grew up in North Carolina. But I graduated high school in South Carolina. My family's still in South Carolina, and they'd be like, well, so do you pull for for Clemson or South Carolina? I'm like, well, I, you know, I kind of grew up an NC State fan, and went to Tennessee, so I didn't root for Clemson or South Carolina. So I just want to see a good game. And then they go, then the one they always want is, well, do you like North Carolina or Duke? I'm like, I hate them both. <laughs> I'm like, well, you don't have you, you you have to pick one. I'm like, no, I don't. I I don't have to pick one at all. It's like when I was at Tennessee, and Alabama and Florida played in the first SEC championship game. Uh, the local TV station was inter- interviewing students on campus, and they asked me. They said, "Who are you rooting for in the game tonight?" I said, "I'm rooting for a meteor strike." I don't want anybody to win this game. <laughs> Alabama and Florida, is there any way they could both be a 0-0 tie when it's over with? But, yeah, so, yeah, you're exactly right. When people find out that you've lived in South Carolina, they want to know where you fall on either side of the rivalry. And um, and I'm proud to say that I, I tried to stay in neutral territory. Um, but uh, I may or may not have worn an orange sweatshirt to a couple of South Carolina games. Ryan, I tell you what, we're coming up on a break here shortly, and uh, I want to get into some more with you on 
uh, your time in the state of South Carolina, the rivalry, et cetera, and then uh, ultimately uh, some other stories that navigated your life in sports. So if you're listening to the program and you want to be a part of it, 803-450-0086, that's the text line and the phone line now, 803-450-0086. If you choose to call us, leave us a message. We'll work you in to the conversation here on the program today. And if you choose to text us, never while you're driving, you know the rules. You can follow the program on Twitter at Clemson Sports. That's Clemson News, Notes, Information, and more. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And again, your website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Just 18 cents a day to step up and be a part and support us and continue to help us grow uh, as we have navigated through these uh, strange times uh, with some uh, wonderful interviews, I feel like. And now, more than ever, digging back into the archives and pulling up some of those old interviews that you may not have ever heard and those are for our premium subscribers over on ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Again, Ryan McGee on Twitter, at ESPN McGee. Make sure you go follow him. We're going to hit a quick break, and we'll come back with more of the show that shakes the Southland. You are listening to Clemson Sports Talk on Fox Sports Radio 1400 in the Midlands, Sports Radio 100.1 The Fan in Florence, and 920 AM in Manning. And don't forget, you can listen to this show anywhere in the world on the iHeartRadio app and catch the podcast editions. We're back with Ryan McGee right after this. It is the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk. Lawton Swan on Twitter at Clemson Sports. Ryan McGee on the guest line on Twitter at ESPN McGee. Okay, Ryan, so you, you went to Tennessee. Uh, what was the attraction uh, to head up to Vol Nation? And, and also, in addition, when you get to your first football game there and you got 100,000 fans in Neyland Stadium, that must have been an experience. And I caught them at the right time. You know, I, I caught them the, the four years I was there. Uh, I was at Tennessee. I mean, they played big New Year's Day ball games every year, and I, I came in with with Carl Pickens and uh, left with Heath Shuler. And um, I, I was there during during the stage that was set for, you know, when T. Martin and Peyton Manning and those guys came in right behind that and won a national championship. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was something else. And, and it was that same feeling when I got to Neyland Stadium. It was that same feeling that I had that first time I went to Death Valley, which was. These people, this is their life. I mean, this is this is you know, other places I had lived. People really love going to football games in Chapel Hill and Raleigh and Durham or whatever. Right. But uh, it was just some, it was just something to do. You know, uh, in, in upstate South Carolina, um, I mean, I have to tell you, it was all about seven Saturdays every fall. And uh, and when I moved to Knoxville, that's what I realized the same thing. And, and people, you know, passing on their season tickets in their wills. And, you know, and people having sat in the same seats for however long and still getting emotional about a, a loss to Alabama in 1962 or something. Yeah, so it was um, – the passion um, was uh, – I remember when South Carolina joined the SEC, I called all my buddies from high school who had gone to South Carolina, and I said, hey, just so you know, I go – you know the intensity that you feel, um, the hatred that you feel toward Clemson. I go. I feel like Tennessee's got like a couple of those because they've all been playing each other since like 1895. And so it's that intensity level that that everybody enjoys down at Death Valley. And um, and I certainly recognize it was a little different shade of orange as soon as I got to Knoxville. A little step further into your career. So now, obviously, with ESPN, the work you've done in the past, more from my standpoint, having to uh, host 
Paul Feinbaum show from time to time. Well, when I first started subbing for Paul, which was, you know, five years ago, I had to kind of win those people over. You know, I sat down and I, what I realized was I sat down in the chair and nobody would call in because they all would hear some other Yahoo's voice being me. And they're like, well, if it's in Paul, I'm not going to call in. And over the years, I started getting the I-mans and the Phyllises and people started calling in. And so, yeah, it is um, – I always tell everybody that when I moved to TR, what I realized was was that the Travers Rest High School versus Berea High School rivalry – was as intense as anything I'll ever experience in my life. And there was a big fight in the parking lot one night after the Berea TR game, the dog bowl, <laughs> and I ended up literally being the guy. Stand, I, I look like uh, Chris Pratt in the Jurassic Park movie, like standing between the dinosaurs with his hands up, like, stop, don't fight. And uh, and that's how I feel every time I sit in for Paul. Like, I feel like I'm just, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm refereeing, you know, just a big redneck parking lot brawl for four hours. And plus, it's four hours, man. That's... I mean, you know, it's exhausting. It's, uh, but it's fun. It's super fun. And I've always been thankful for Paul uh, for letting me do that. Oh, and by the way, you talk, you're talking about high school football. Yeah. So every year, uh, I, I went to Palmetto Boys State, American Legion Boys State, when I was a, when I was a, between my junior senior year at Travers Rest. And every year, I'm very thankful they bring me back to Anderson College or Anderson University, and I get to speak to the boys at Boys State. And I do the same thing every year. I talk about I went to Travers Rest. It's great to be back in the upstate. And I say, where are my Travis Rest guys? And a couple guys, yay. And I say, hey, where are the Berea people? And there's always two guys that will yell, hey, Berea. And I go, you two shut up and don't say another word. Hold <laughs> come on the stage. Yeah. So, as long as I live, uh, uh, I just want to know what the score of the Berea TR game is. This season, where are you, in, in, you know, kind of in the, the mindset of what we might be dealing with? Well, I, I think – and I have no – I don't have a folder of information to back this up, but my gut tells me this might start a little late. Um, I think they're going to get the season in. I'm not buying into the we're going to be playing football until February and March and all that stuff. But but I do think um, it, that there's a chance it could start a little late. And what I tell people all the time is is that as much respect as I have for – the athletic directors and the coaches and the, and the conference commissioners, at the end of the day, this is going to be about the presidents. The university presidents are going to determine what the football season is. And if the schools open a month late, football is going to start a month late. And if the schools don't open at all, then we're probably not going to have football at all. Because if you're a university president, your first concern are your 30,000 undergrads. You know, the 100 guys that play right. football are important, but they're not as important as a student body. And so uh, right now what everybody needs to be paying attention to is what are the university presidents saying. But my gut tells me we will have some form of football. Um, You know, they're about to start racing NASCAR down at Darlington. I was just talking to some NASCAR executives a few minutes ago, and it's going to look a little different, and it's going to feel a little weird. But you know what? They're going to be racing. It's going to be something to watch. And so what I don't want is I don't want people to complain if the games start with half-full stadiums or empty stadiums. Because at this point, man, I just want some football. I don't care who's sitting in the stands. Yeah, I know our shows are amazing, but live sports are a little better, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, listen, I mean, it, 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 I, I work, work for ESPN. My, oh, yeah. No, listen, I mean, it, it, I, I work, work for ESPN my entire adult life. Yeah. And, uh, the last dance has been great. And the NFL draft was awesome. And, the you know, the three-hour – uh, NFL schedule rollout. It, it was great, but um, 
if if Red Sox Yankees had been up there, I probably would have liked it a little more. Clemson expected to be one of the top teams in college football this season, uh, as they have been over the past five, six, seven years under Dabo Sweeney. Uh, from that standpoint, uh, when you think about that team, do do you find that they get disrespected more because of the conference that they're playing in than anything else? Well, it doesn't help, and um, you know, my, my biggest, um, you know, and I, I'm the first one to. You know, criticize a team if they don't schedule anyone, but um, but also am willing to back up a little bit if it's the fact that uh, what it is. And so you know, it's it's the same problem Florida State had forever. It's the same problem Clemson used to have in the '80s, which is you know the, the argument was you, know, you you beat a couple of ranked teams, but the rest of the schedule was what it was. So if they take care of their business because of who they are and because of that roster. And because of what they've done in the playoff era, it isn't going to matter. But but there there is obviously going to be they're going to, at some point if they're not number one, if you know like last year if they're not number one and they slide a couple spots, it doesn't matter as long as you're in the top four at the end, being the top four at the end. But yeah, the ACC doesn't do them any favors. But um, you know you, you could certainly argue that about a lot of the programs too. I still would rather have the ACC schedule than some of those other schedules out there. So the, the Tigers are going to be fine, and uh, I hear their quarterback's pretty good. So they'll be right. <laughs> right, Ryan McGee here on Clemson Sports Talk. Ryan, man, we don't get you on enough. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna put it on my in my notes to get you on more during the college football season this year, my man. Hey, anytime, and uh, go Devil Dogs. Ryan McGee here on the show that shakes the Southland. We hit a quick break and come back with more. Happy Friday to you, Lawton Swan, the show that shakes the Southland. How about Ryan McGee, man? Good to catch up with him. And I don't think you can do an interview with Ryan where he doesn't bring up Boy State and what that meant to him. It was a big deal, uh, certainly for him and a lot of people in the state of South Carolina. I was not privileged enough, I guess, to go uh, to the, the Boy State back in the day. I don't know why. I don't know what was it is it grades the qualification then maybe i do know why <laughs> i really don't remember maybe i didn't want to go i mean I, i'll be honest i was probably the type of person that uh, wouldn't necessarily uh, have wanted to participate in something like that but uh, not not in a bad sense it's just i, I don't think that was in my was not in my lane back in the day uh, 803-450-0086 that's the text line 803-450 Zero zero eighty six, and again, I appreciate everybody who's been a part of the program over the past several weeks as we've rolled through and talked about uh, lives and lives and sports. And uh, again, we do need to take a minute to honor those people who are, are graduating from high schools and universities and finishing up their careers. Matter of fact, fifty seven student athletes at Clemson uh, were graduating or graduates uh, I guess you would say uh, that was scheduled for May 7th and May 8th but because they've been postponed uh, that will not take place university is exploring alternatives to celebrate uh, the new graduates at a later date I'll be honest you know it'd be cool if you if you did get a chance to uh, if you got a chance to have a college football season Run the graduates' names 
on the bottom of the you know, jumbotron in Death Valley or something, uh, like a scrolling ticker at the bottom all season long, dude. How cool would that be? You don't have to take up too much space with it, right? But enough that if you're in the stadium and you want to get your picture uh, of your name up on the board, you can do it. Uh, Kobe Thornton, one of the uh, top women's basketball players, would have been one of those. She was drafted in the third round by the Atlanta Dream in the 2020 uh, WNBA draft. Niles Pinckney, a part of the Clemson Tiger 2018 National Championship Ball Club. Brian Dawkins Jr. was another name on that list. So you, know, you just start to look through you know, the, the list of people who've uh, had an impact in Clemson sports. Chase Bryce, who's going to go on to hopefully have an opportunity to play and finish his career at Duke, is one of those guys off the football team that graduated. Logan Rudolph, who we interviewed a month or so back, back in February, about his transition from the gridiron to the uh, to the movie screen, and I've actually reached out to him to see if any of that's changed, not necessarily in terms of going to Hollywood, but the dynamics of what he's dealing with with the COVID-19 and whether or not he would be going across the country or even if he's gone across the country yet. You know, I just am not sure about that. And could something like this change his, his mind on what he ends up doing? And does he have that ability to change his mind to come back? You know, we talked about Jacob Hennessy. And the opportunity for him to maybe come back. But then when we spoke with Monty Lee, he said, look, it, it, would, it would be great. But when you decide that you want to be a coach, you forfeit or an assistant coach, you forfeit your eligibility, your remaining eligibility. And so we know from that standpoint that in a, in a situation like Jacob Hennessy's, he, he couldn't come back anyway, even if he was recovered from his surgery. Here, with a guy like Logan Rudolph, could you return? I don't know why you couldn't if that's what you wanted to do. I don't know what the numbers would look like in terms of scholarships and whether or not it's something that the the coaching staff will have to consider. But we did reach out to Logan, and we we have not uh, heard back from him. So we're hopeful to find out more uh, on that front. And it would be it would be for Clemson Tiger fans. You'd be adding a, a high quality football player into the mix, and a, a fun interview as well in in a guy like Logan Rudolph. Now, normally, once these guys have kind of made their decisions and they're free to be interviewed and things are wide open, I've I can't think honestly of a circumstance where we've interviewed somebody in the what I would call the free marketplace per se where you don't have to go through Clemson's media group and that they've returned I, I can't think of one even I, I think Jerron Blossom game and we had a chance to interview him several years ago while he was kind of in flux on what he wanted to do in terms of the NBA and college basketball, he ends up going to the NBA and and you know didn't return. I I don't recall the specifics of how we lined up that interview though. Well, I mean I know we lined it up through Clemson, but I don't recall. I don't think it was a we 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 dictate and determine who you talk to type deal. And and that's the way it works. I mean, if you didn't know that, that's the way it works. Like when when we have a guest on the program, we've reached out to especially a player, maybe even a former player. Uh, we've reached out to the to the institution 
to make sure that they could come on the program. Now, if the player has graduated or if the player's time and career are over and I happen to have their number, we don't have to do that. I don't do that. Um, Maybe Clemson would like us to, but I don't think at that point we have to. So that's kind of the ins and outs of how uh, that, you know, from that standpoint, how that works. 803-450-0086-803-450-0086. If you want to send us a text message, you can do that. Never while you're driving. You can also give us a call as well on that number and leave us a message, and we will try to get you uh, worked into the program. Uh, It would be awesome to hear from some of you here on the program today as we kind of dive into some of the off-season hot topics and one in which revolves uh, involves recruiting and Clemson's huge recruiting weekend uh, that took place not all that long ago, uh, according to Grace Rayner from The Athletic. The Tigers spent a large chunk of change to entertain several prospects uh, during uh, one of their visits uh, this past season. So we'll have that up for you here on the program to talk about coming up next because the numbers of the, you know, in, inside this. It can, I think for many of you, it'll be head-scratching. I truly believe it will be a head-scratching conversation when you when you hear about the substantial expense put into a singular recruiting weekend in Tigertown. Others of you will say, you know what? It's worth every penny, Swanee. It's worth every penny. 803-450-0086. We'll hit a quick break and come back with more of the show that shakes the Southland. The People Show, the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk, Lawton Swan with you on a Friday afternoon. Clemson Tom coming up in hour number two. And we may even throw in a little more of that Ryan. I thought that Ryan McGee was fantastic. We may roll with that uh, out of the gates in hour number two. So Clemson's recruiting weekend this past year that had all of the uh, the weight and the, 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 the panache, so to speak, of great talent coming in. Uh, took place in November, the 15th through the 17th, as the Tigers took on Wake Forest. That was a 52-3 to victory, by the way. And again, Grace Rayner from The Athletic doing a tremendous job uh, on this story. But what was incredible about it is that the total expenses, according to uh, this report, which was gained from uh, Freedom of Information from Grace Rayner, uh, pulled up $85,000 to impress 11 recruits and their families during that weekend. Brian Brzee, Miles Murphy, Demarcus Bowman, uh, DeMonte Capehart. You go through the laundry list of Clemson's uh, number three rated recruiting class, and and you'll find uh, those guys at the top of that list being the big names on it. All but one of those players, by the way, committed to Clemson. It was really less of a recruiting visit at that point for the majority of those guys as much as a a celebration of their commitment to Clemson. Most of those guys were already committed to to the Tigers, and uh, Justin Flo being one of those that was still uh, looking at that point. But on Friday, November the 15th at 3 p.m. from 3 to 5 o'clock, the the players arrived at, you know, in Greenville. Some of them had to fly in. The total expenses for the flights, round-trip travel, 
according to the documents obtained, were $8,569.54. On through that, you go a little bit further into uh, the fact that they had hired... uh, you know, black car limo services, I guess, to bring the players in that totaled $1,671. Uh, then the biggest expense for the trip was the, you know, the room and, and board for everybody. Uh, Clemson booked, according to this, 36 rooms uh, that had players and their families that came in. Uh, that totaled $31,888.08. Uh, Clemson also spent an additional $638.40 for three uh, downtown Greenville hotels on Sunday, which were for people who were flying out, presumably, according to this report, on Monday. And then uh, on, I guess, from 6 to 9 p.m., they had dinner at Hall's Chop House in downtown Greenville. Uh, That bill came to $20,220.38 and does not include the meals in transit, for which Clemson also covers. The program spent more than $6,500 on Friday night alone on that front. So, you know, you start to dive into it and, and take a look at the numbers, folks. I mean, it is it is expensive. Now, Clemson also, by the way, the Tigers also have about a $2 million budget. And again, uh, Clemson doesn't do spring official visits uh, several programs obviously invest a lot uh, during uh, from that standpoint but you know you start to get into the nuances of it all and uh, the the more you dig and the deeper you dig uh, it is an incredible amount of cash expensed over a three-day period uh, in- including catering and dining needs uh, dinners after the game um kickoff leading up to it i mean everything that you could want to know about uh, clemson recruiting weekend snacks beverages a little bit of a little bit of everything uh in that eighty thousand dollar uh that eighty thousand dollar bill so let's see eighty five thousand dollars for the recruits essentially and i think there were about eighty thousand people in attendance uh, at the game so Eighty thousand eight hundred and seventy-five, uh, to be exact. So there you go, a little, little, a little dollar out of everybody's ticket that came into the stadium and some change to pay for that recruiting weekend. And that weekend, uh, hopefully, will begin paying off in the fall. As I know, everybody's hopeful that Clemson will be out on the gridiron, getting set, getting ready to play some college football in August. 803-450-0086, 803-450-0086 is your number. We'd love to have you come hang out with us. Also, uh, some notes here for you. We reached out to Trey Jemison, former Clemson Tiger Center. He's transferring out of the program, or at least he's put his name in the transfer portal. We hope to get up with Trey early next week to talk with him. Again, he's playing in an era where the seven-foot big man, the center in the middle, uh, isn't a significant piece of the sport. Uh, wondering if that had any impact on his decision to leave Tiger Town. And also, you know, what direction he's headed. He's a native from the uh, state of Alabama. Would he be looking to return and get a little bit closer to home? Or, you know, just kind of how he's feeling about things 
uh, as well. And, you know, maybe dive into his life in sports, too. Learn a little bit more about what it's like being a guy that's seven feet tall as you're growing up and uh, probably the expectations that are put on you at an early age to uh, play well in basketball. You know, uh, it's got to be hard. And I would imagine when he was in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, I mean, he was a big kid. People probably expected a lot. But sometimes – Sometimes that coordination doesn't catch up quick enough for the big boys, and uh, they can struggle with things that seem simplistic uh, to some smaller players. So we'll try to get up with Trey next week here on the program. Hour number two, we're gonna we're gonna go out of the gate. Uh, Clips of Tom just texted me a few minutes ago. We're gonna go out of the gate with that Ryan McGee interview again. Uh, if you did not hear it, you're gonna love it. Stick around for it. Uh, and if you heard it once, it's worth listening to a second time because it's really good stuff from Ryan McGee talking about his life in sports. So we're going to re-rack that one for you here on a Friday afternoon. And for those of you just getting off work, uh, those essential employees that are out there and those of you that uh, are still working, thank you so much for being a part of this program and helping us make a difference uh, each and every day as we talk about sports here for you on the show that shakes the Southland. Again, the website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com, on Twitter, at Clemson Sports. We make it easy for you to follow us over there and continue to grow with us uh, on our website. Again, ClemsonSportsTalk.com, where just 18 cents a day, you can become a premium subscriber and support us. That comes out to a smooth $63.17 a year, $63.17 for one year of coverage. We come back with Ryan McGee right after this. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Just call me Swanee. Finally, Clemson Sports Talk has come back to drive time. Hello, everybody. Lawton Swan back in the saddle once again. It is the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk for you each and every afternoon as you make your way around the great state of South Carolina and beyond. Listening to us on fantastic radio stations like Fox Sports Radio 1400 in the Midlands, Sports Radio 100.1 The Fan in Florence at 920 a.m. in Manning. Good to have you and all the podcast listeners checking out our program. Head over to the website ClemsonSportsTalk.com. That's Clemson sportstalk.com you can join for just 18 cents a day that's $63.17 that's right I said it 63.17 to be a part of what we do and continue to help us grow and on a Friday afternoon out of the gate oh this is going to be fantastic Ryan McGee from ESPN joins us he grew up in the upstate of South Carolina uh, spent time up in the triangle in the Raleigh Durham area of North Carolina as well and does, does a tremendous job for ESPN. Ryan, welcome into the program, my man. Good to have you on, and it's great to catch up with you. How you doing? I appreciate it. Yeah, my my uh, my tenure as a ninth grade uh, 
um, headmaster, school headmaster is going well. I'm, <laughs> I'm a terrible math tutor, but I'm a good homeschool principal at this point. So yeah, but I'm, it's, it's uh, everybody at my house is healthy and safe, so we're all right. Yeah, we've instituted. Uh, we're off on Fridays here in the Swan School District, so it's going pretty well on that front. But uh, right, I wouldn't. Add. I was I was off most Fridays anyway when I was in actual school. So I, I'm I'm on board with that plan. Yeah, the kids think it's about them. It's really more about mom and dad. But nonetheless, yeah. I do want to ask you. Um, you know, we're t- kind of diving into the lives of people and how they got into sports and their earliest memories. So for you, you grew up in Raleigh before moving to Travelers Rest, where you would go to high school. But at, at what point? kind of along your life journey did sports really start to impact you well i mean i think we all hopefully everybody's fortunate enough boy girl whatever to to play youth sports which is where it started with me but my my father was a college football official he was a referee and in fact we're he and i are writing a book about it right now that'll be out in september and um growing up in a house with a dad who spent every weekend, you know, he, he was a college administrator. So he worked at Meredith College in Raleigh. He worked at uh, Gardner-Webb uh, College back then, uh, just up the road, you know, North Carolina. He worked at Furman, which is how we ended up in uh, in Greenville, and me at TR. And I grew up in a house where Dad was working during the week. And on Friday afternoons, when I was a little guy, he was going to reference high school football games and then small college football games. And then, you know, as a teenager, he was getting on planes and going and covering gigantic football. Games. I mean, the first really huge game he he uh, officiated was there in Death Valley uh, in 1982, and so it was. Um, uh, that's the house I grew up in, and sports were just a constant. It was me, my brother, uh, my dad, my mom, and um, you know, it was my dad was a college baseball player. Uh, we were a baseball house in the summer and a college football house in the in the fall. Well, and I think about it, you mentioned in your brother there, I know those sibling rivalries at times, if the age gap is right, can be uh, tremendous for motivating yeah. players and kind of taking them up to the next level. Now, are y'all close enough in age that that was a part of your existence when you were younger as well? Yeah, we're three years apart on the calendar and we're two years apart when it came to school. And so, yeah, absolutely. And we moved. We moved a lot. We basically moved every three or four years. And so, you know, like when we moved to Travers Rest, we moved between my sophomore and junior year of high school. We moved before, right before my brother's freshman year of high school. And um, when you move around a lot, you know, your brother becomes your best friend and your worst enemy all at the same time because a lot of times it's just y'all. You don't know anybody else. And when we walked into the high school there at TR for the first time, and uh, we knew no one except for each other. And so uh, there's certainly a bond that comes with that, and there's certainly some fights that come with that. And so, yeah, we were baseball players, and um, eventually I ran track. And uh, my brother actually played a little college baseball, Wake Forest, tried to anyway. And um, so, yeah, we were, we were super competitive. But, you know, our dad was literally a referee. So I think it helped because uh, dad could officiate um, – the sports and also the fights. Ryan McGee here on Clemson Sports Talk again. He's the co-host of Marty and McGee, and and I just want to get into maybe some of the times when you were a kid in Raleigh, and maybe there's high school football going on where there's some big name guys that you know maybe most people might not know because they didn't go on to illustrious careers that you could remember thinking to yourself, oh man, if I was just this guy right now. Do you have any of those kind of memories too? <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, and, and, I, and I grew up in – I was born in Rockingham, North Carolina, which is very much a Friday Night Lights town, you know. It, it, it was uh, Richmond County High School. It has always been like a, a big superstar, you know, uh, high school football program. And then uh, going up to Raleigh and, and then obviously coming down to Greenville. But there were players that I saw that I just – you know, you see them and you think, that's the greatest athlete I've ever seen. And you never heard from him again. <laughs> it was, you know, and I think it was a guy named Lewis and Raleigh. In fact, somebody put out on Twitter the other day. They said, uh, they said, who's the one athlete that you hated but you respected their abilities? And everybody's throwing out, like, you know, Barry Bonds and whatever else. And I said, Lewis. Lewis, when I was in, uh, you know, playing junior <laughs> high ball in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Lewis hit about five bombs off of me that looked like Mark McGuire. And uh, I hated his guts, but uh, but I certainly respected his ability. And I was convinced that Lewis would play in the big leagues for 30 years and go to Cooperstown. And uh, I have no idea what Lewis is doing. So if you're out there, dude, uh, you racked me hard. I could not. Uh, I couldn't get the fastball past him. Ryan McGee throwing it way back to Lewis, taking him yard several times <laughs> in Little League here on the show. And and I think that's one of the great things that really bonds not just uh, sports fans, but, but communities. I mean, you mentioned it, that Friday night lights feel. My dad was a high school principal, and while he was the principal, they won several state titles and played for even more. And I can remember the smell of that fresh-cut grass on a Friday night. I don't know if there's anything much better than that, honestly. Oh, no, and that was it, man. You know, it's funny because I, mean, I mentioned this book. Um, I mean, shameless plug. We got a book coming out in, in September, and I'm writing it with my brother and my father. And, you know, one of the scenes in the book is the three of us sitting around in my basement. We all live in Charlotte now, and we all live five miles apart. First time since we lived in Travers Rest that all of us have lived in the same place at the same time. Dad's retired now, and lives. he lives three miles away. My brother lives exactly a mile and a half. So he lives exactly halfway in between us. And we were sitting around in my basement working on the book and laughing. And, and my brother looked at me, and he said, what's your favorite part of, you know, covering – games and I'm like getting to the stadium early and that was the part that we loved when we were kids and we would get to go with dad to a college football game that he was officiating and we get to walk into the stadium three hours early and they've just cut the grass and you know they're playing music over the loudspeaker and there's you know the star quarterbacks out there going through his calisthenics or whatever and you know we get to go to Clemson and and hang out you know three hours before kickoff when we were kids and then you know we were ball boys at Furman when Furman was so good in football in the late 80s when they won national champions national champs 89 yeah 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 and, and that's when we were there and so so getting there early and and uh, and kind of feeling like you're part of the game. I mean, that's the absolute best part. It's still my favorite part of the day. If I'm covering a game, whether it's in Death Valley in, in Clemson or whether it's at Stanford, I love getting to the status. I ask, when are you going to open the gates? And the minute they open the gates, I come walking in with my backpack because that is my favorite part of the whole experience is getting there early. And you look around and you think, man, did they know I'm in here? Because I feel like security would escort me out if they knew I was here this early. 
On Twitter, he's at ESPN McGee. Ryan McGee here on Clemson Sports Talk, taking a look at his life in sports. And I think there's a, a I don't know if it's a strange parallel or correlation, but you, when you think about writing in, in, as you're growing up, you don't think about sports necessarily in school. But when guys like yourself are able to mesh that and, and kind of you know turn the, the literary side of things into the sports perspective, uh, it's so unique. When did you start to kind of notice that, okay, my writing skills are good enough that, that this is something I can do as well? Well, you know, truth be told, you know, I went to, I went to college, uh, I studied broadcasting. Like, I wanted to work in TV and radio, and, and not necessarily on TV or on the radio. I wanted to, you know, be a producer. I was a television producer for years, but my favorite part of the whole experience was writing. And I grew up, and my, my grandfather worked at the Richmond County Daily Journal, the newspaper in Rockingham, North Carolina, from the time he was 13 years old, back when it was legal for 13-year-olds to work, right. <laughs> uh, all the way up until he passed away at 88. I mean, he worked there for all you know, all that time. And so I grew up in a newspaper. I'm still in my office in Charlotte. I still have a printer's drawer uh, from my grandfather's desk that hangs on the wall. And I kind of put little mementos from, from stuff I cover up in that in a printer's drawer as a, like a frame. And so I grew up reading the newspaper, and, and I grew up reading the great columnists. And, and not only that, but I think about, like, you know, like in the Greenville News, they used to carry Louis Grizzard's column from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And, you know, that southern sense of humor. And, you know, he started as a sports writer. And those were, those were the guys that I grew up reading. And, um, you know, the glory days of Sports Illustrated. And so when I was a television producer, I used to write scripts for features that I was working on. And one day, uh, not too long after I'd started at ESPN, they started ESPN the magazine. And they were looking for help on a motorsport story. And they called me uh, to basically do some research. And I ended up writing the story. And that was like ESPN the magazine's second or third issue. And I was with them all the way until we printed the last issue. Uh, last year, so it's you know I, I'm just very fortunate, but the, but the writing was always my favorite part, uh, even when I was a TV producer. And so uh, to get to sit there, and again when I was a kid, and Dad would cover football games, I had my first sideline credential when I was 13 years old, and to get to go into the press box at Duke and Clemson and Virginia and North Carolina, these places where I traveled with Dad when he was officiating games, and watch these great sports writers in the press box doing their thing. I never dreamed I'd, I would I'd get to do that one day. And, uh, again, don't tell anybody. I feel like I'm kind of stealing money. If anybody figures out I'm doing this for a living, they're going to go, hey, man, you got to get a real job. Ryan McGee on Clemson Sports Talk, and you mentioned uh, your writing. You've published several bro- several books during your career, and uh, you're telling us about the one that you're working on now with your, your father and brother. How unique is that for you guys to be able to sit down as a family and kind of go through some of these memories, and maybe even not unique, but just how special is it to be able to share that with uh, your brother and dad? Well, it's just, honestly, we're probably not going to make any money off this book. And we don't care because in the end, um, it was just been fun. We've been talking about doing this. You know, any, any kid who ever grew up in a house with a, with a parent who was a sports official or a coach, um, I mean, you know, you, you could probably write a great book about your dad's days as a principal. I mean, the stories are off the chart, right? And right. so for us to finally be able to sit down 
And these stories that we've told and we've heard my dad tell our entire lives for us to finally get to share that. And, you know, uh, I mean, again, it, it, it's getting to be behind the rope, but then it's also just it's, it's understanding that on the field there's three teams. There's the two teams playing in the game, and whether people want to believe it or not, the, the officials are actually human beings. And, yes, they make mistakes, but they're out there because they love it. And, uh, and you know, the, Clemson and Louisville slept in the nice hotel and flew in the charter plane, and the officials, you know, they probably rode in on a van and slept in the Holiday Inn <laughs> Express. So, you know, but, but, but I, you know, I feel like we learn football from a different perspective, and so to get to share that and to get to share some of Dad's great stories, um, yeah, it's, I mean, labor of love is a tired term, but, man, that's what this is. And it's just a, it was an excuse for the three of us to just, you know, sit around and go to a barbecue joint and talk. And uh, my job was to try to get it all into words. Ryan, when you go back and you're in high school now, you've moved to South Carolina, you're, you're at Traveler's Rest. Uh, how did things compare to what you were accustomed to back in Raleigh and previously in Rockingham, just in terms of uh, the, the fanfare towards maybe not even high school football, but college football as well in the state of South Carolina? So, and we write this in the book, when, when I grew and again, growing up in the Triangle, in the 80s was an amazing time. Um, you know, you're talking about this is when NC State and North Carolina were winning national championships in basketball and when Duke became Duke. And, you know, you look at the football, the, the, te- the teams weren't that memorable. But NC State was playing Penn State, you know, and Duke was playing against, you know, the West Coast teams and North Carolina was playing Oklahoma. I mean, and, and the schedule was ridiculous, but I'll never forget, um, and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, it's a fact. Uh, my, we grew up going to these games on Tobacco Road, and then my dad had his first assignment at Clemson. And I remember him coming home that night and just being taken aback because he'd never been to Death Valley. And this would have been 1982. So, I mean, they're right off the national championship. I mean, Danny Ford's at the height of his powers. And, uh, you know, it's Rodney Williams and those guys. And I remember dad coming back and going, guys, you don't even understand what I just saw. And he was just talking <laughs> about the Death Valley experience. And he's talking about he's talking about the vans painted orange and the you know, the hearses painted orange with orange tiger tails hanging out of them and you know, the big orange paws on every road leading into the stadium and you know, at the time, you know, sixty something thousand people and, and running down the hill and he said, Guys, you we think we've seen college football. We have not seen college football. That's college football. And so that 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 was part of this amazing experience and then to move down the tree to TR and to be right in the backyard of that and to move right into the middle of that South Carolina Clemson rivalry in the 80s um, it was uh, I mean it was a gift man and so, so to be in Raleigh um, on Tobacco Road during the glory days, but then to come down to upstate South Carolina, um, you know, and it's it's Georgia and Clemson and Clemson to South Carolina and South Carolina and Georgia, and it was like, uh, man, what have we walked into down here? Ryan McGee on Clemson Sports Talk. Ryan, I'll ask you, a lot of people that move to the state tell me, they say, uh, people will, you know, when they say, oh, well, where are you from? Uh, I'm from, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania. And then they say, well, who are you for? You know, who are you for? Are you for Clemson or South Carolina? Right. Did people make you, right. did people make you draw that line pretty early? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and, th- and then, you know, right out of college, uh, I went to, and I went to Tennessee. And right. right out of college, I went up to, uh, I moved up to Connecticut. And I'm living in Bristol, Connecticut. And they go, 
so now where are you from? And I'd say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm from the Carolinas. Because, you know, I, I really grew up in North Carolina, but I graduated high school in South Carolina. My family's still in South Carolina. And they'd be like, well, so do you pull for, for Clemson or South Carolina? I'm like, well, I, you know, I kind of grew up an NC State fan and went to Tennessee. So I didn't root for Clemson or South Carolina. So I just want to see a good game. And then they go, then the one they always want is, well, do you like North Carolina or Duke? I'm like, I hate them both. <laughs> I'm like, well, you don't have to, you, you, you have to pick one. I'm like, no, I don't. I, go, I don't have to pick one at all. It's like when I was at Tennessee – and Alabama and Florida played in the first SEC championship game. Uh, the local TV station was inter- interviewing students on campus, and they asked me, they said, who are you rooting for in the game tonight? I said, I'm rooting for a meteor strike. I don't want anybody to win this game. <laughs> Alabama and Florida, is there any way they could both be a 0-0 tie when it's over with? But, yeah, so, yeah, you're exactly right. When people find out that you've lived in South Carolina, they want to know where you fall on either side of the rivalry, and um, and I'm proud to say that I, I tried to stay in neutral territory, um, but uh, I may or may not have worn an orange sweatshirt to a couple of South Carolina games. Ryan, I tell you what, we're coming up on a break here shortly, and uh, I want to get into some more with you on uh, your time in the state of South Carolina, the rivalry, et cetera, and then uh, ultimately uh, some other stories that navigated your life in sports. So if you're listening to the program and you want to be a part of it, 803-450-0086. That's the text line and the phone line now, 803-450-0086. If you choose to call us, leave us a message. We'll work you in to the conversation here on the program today. And if you choose to text us, never while you're driving. You know the rules. You can follow the program on Twitter at Clemson Sports as Clemson News, Notes, Information, and more. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And again, your website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Just 18 cents a day to step up and be a part and support us and continue to help us grow uh, as we have navigated through these uh, strange times uh, with some uh, wonderful interviews, I feel like. And now, more than ever, digging back into the archives and pulling up some of those old interviews that you may not have ever heard in those are for our premium subscribers over on ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Again, Ryan McGee on Twitter, at ESPN McGee. Make sure you go follow him. We're going to hit a quick break, and we'll come back with more of the show that shakes the Southland. You are listening to Clemson Sports Talk on Fox Sports Radio 1400 in the Midlands, Sports Radio 100.1 The Fan in Florence, and 920 AM in Manning. And don't forget, you can listen to this show anywhere in the world on the iHeartRadio app and catch the podcast editions. We're back with Ryan McGee right after this. It is the show that shakes the South. Land Clemson Sports Talk. Lawton Swan on Twitter at Clemson Sports. Ryan McGee on the guest line on Twitter at ESPN McGee. Okay, Ryan, so you, you went to Tennessee. Uh, what was the attraction uh, to head up to Vol Nation? And, and also, in addition, when you get to your first football game there and you got 100,000 fans in Neyland Stadium, that must have been an experience. And I caught them at the right time. You know, I, I caught them the, the four years I was there. 
uh, I was at Tennessee. I mean, they played big New Year's Day ball games every year, and I, I came in with, with Carl Pickens and uh, left with Heath Shuler. And um, I, I was there during, during the stage that was set for, you know, when T. Martin and Peyton Manning and those guys came in right behind that and won a national championship. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was something else. And it, it was that same feeling when I got to Neyland Stadium. It was that same feeling that I had that first time I went to Death Valley, which was, these people, this is their life. I mean, this is, this is you know, other places I had lived, people really loved going to football games in Chapel Hill and Raleigh and Durham or whatever. Right. But uh, it, was just some, it was just something to do. You know, uh, in, in upstate South Carolina, um, I mean, I'll have to tell you, it was all about seven Saturdays every fall. And, uh, and when I moved to Knoxville, that's what I realized the same thing. And, and people, you know, passing on their season tickets and their wills. And, you know, and people having sat in the same seats for however long and still getting emotional about a, a loss to Alabama in 1962 or something. Yeah, so it was um, – the passion um, was uh, – I remember when South Carolina joined the SEC, I called all my buddies from high school who had gone to South Carolina, and I said, hey, just so you know, I go – you know, the intensity that you feel, um, the hatred that you feel toward Clemson, I go, I feel like Tennessee's got like a couple of those because they've all been playing each other since like 1895. And so it's that intensity level that, that everybody enjoys down at Death Valley. And um, and I certainly recognize it was a little different shade of orange as soon as I got to Knoxville. A little step further into your career. So now, obviously, with ESPN, the work you've done in the past, more from my standpoint, having to uh, host Paul Feinbaum show from time to time. Well, when I first started subbing for Paul, which was, you know, five years ago, I had to kind of win those people over. You know, I sat down and I, what I realized was I sat down in the chair and nobody would call in because they all would hear some other Yahoo's voice being me. And they're like, well, if this isn't Paul, I'm not going to call in. And over the years, I started getting the I-mans and the Phyllis's and people started calling in. And so, yeah, it is um, – I always tell everybody that when I moved to TR, what I realized was was that the Travers Rest High School versus Berea High School rivalry was as intense as anything I'll ever experience in my life. And there was a big fight in the parking lot one night after the Berea TR game, the dog bowl, <laughs> and I ended up literally being the guy. I look like Chris Pratt in the Jurassic Park movie, like standing between the dinosaurs with his hands up, like, stop, don't fight. And uh, and that's how I feel every time I sit in for Paul. Like I feel like I'm just, you know, I feel like I'm I'm refereeing, you know, just a big redneck parking lot brawl for four hours. And plus, it's four hours, man. That's, I mean, you know, it's exhausting. It's, uh, but it's fun. It's super fun. And I've always been thankful for Paul uh, for letting me do that. Oh, and by the way, you talk, you talk about high school football. Yeah. So every year. Uh, I, got, I went to Palmetto Boys State, American Legion Boys State, when I was a, when I was a, between my junior and senior year at Travers Rest. And every year, I'm very thankful they bring me back to Anderson College or Anderson University, and I get to speak to the boys at Boys State. And I do the same thing every year. I talk about I went to Travers Rest, and it's great to be back in the Upstate. And I say, where are my Travers Rest guys? And a couple guys, yay! And I say, hey, where are the Berea people? And there's always two guys that will yell, hey, Berea. And I go, you two shut up and don't say another word. Hold <laughs> on the stage. Yeah. So, as long as I live, uh, uh, I just want to know what the score of the Berea TR game is. This season, where are you, in, in, you know, kind of in the, the mindset of what we might be dealing with? Well, I, I think, and, and I have no 
I don't have a folder of information to back this up, but my gut tells me this pot might start a little late. Um, I think they're going to get the season in. I'm not buying into the we're going to be playing football until February and March and all that stuff. But but I do think um, it, that there's a chance it could start a little late. And what I tell people all the time is is that as much respect as I have for the athletic directors and the coaches and the, and the conference commissioners, at the end of the day, this is going to be about the presidents, the university presidents are going to determine what the football season is. And if the schools open a month late, football is going to start a month late. And if the schools don't open at all, then we're probably not going to have football at all. Because if you're a university president, your first concern are your 30,000 undergrads. You know, the 100 guys that play football are important, but they're not as important as a student body. And so uh, right now what everybody needs to be paying attention to is what are the university presidents saying. But my gut tells me we will have some form of football. Um, you know, they're about to start racing NASCAR down at Darlington. I was just talking to some NASCAR executives a few minutes ago, and it's going to look a little different, and it's going to feel a little weird. But you know what? They're going to be racing, and right. it's going to be something to watch. And so what I don't want is I don't want people to complain if the games start with half-full stadiums or empty stadiums. Because at this point, man, I just want some football. I don't care who's sitting in the stands. Yeah, I know our shows are amazing, but live sports are a little better. I don't care who's sitting in the stands. Yeah, I know our shows are amazing, but live sports are a little better, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, listen, I mean, it, it, I worked work for ESPN my entire adult life. Yeah. And, uh, the last dance has been great. And the NFL draft was awesome. And, the you know, the three-hour – uh, NFL schedule rollout. It, it was great, but um, if if Red Sox Yankees had been up there, I probably would have liked it a little more. Clemson expected to be one of the top teams in college football this season, uh, as they have been over the past five, six, seven years under Dabo Sweeney. Uh, from that standpoint, uh, when you think about that team, do do you find that they get disrespected more because of the conference that they're playing in than anything else? Well, it doesn't help. And, um, you know, my, my biggest, um, you know, and I, I'm the first one to, you know, criticize a team if they don't schedule anyone. But um, but I also am willing to back up a little bit if it's the fact that uh, what it is. And so, you know, it's, it's the same problem Florida State had forever. It's the same problem Clemson used to have in the 80s, which is, you know, the, the argument was, you you beat a couple of ranked teams, but the rest of the schedule was what it was. So if they take care of their business because of who they are and because of that roster and because of what they've done in the playoff era, it isn't going to matter. But but there there is obviously going to be they're going to, at some point if they're not number one. If, you know, like last year, if they're not number one and they slide a couple spots, it doesn't matter. As long as you're in the top four at the end, be in the top four at the end. But, yeah, the ACC doesn't do them any favors. But, um, you know, you, you could certainly argue that about a lot of the programs, too. I still would rather have the ACC schedule than some of those other schedules out there. So the, the Tigers are going to be fine. And uh, I hear their quarterback's pretty good. So they'll be fine. <laughs> right. Ryan McGee here on Clemson Sports Talk. Ryan, man, we don't get you on enough. I'm going to put it on my in my notes to get you on more during the college football season this year, my man. Hey, anytime. And uh, go Devil Dogs. It is.
is the show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk on a Friday afternoon. Hanging out with you and looking forward to catching up with our good buddy Clemson Tom here. How about Ryan McGee? I'm telling you, that was fantastic. Uh, listening back to that, <laughs> you know, he talks about his dad being an official and what went into that aspect of uh, his life growing up and uh, in sports. And we've got Clemson Tom on the line, legendary pole vaulter from back in the day. Tom, what's up, buddy? What's up, brother? How's your Friday? Man, it's good. It's uh, we had Ryan McGee on, and you know he was excited about the fact that that NASCAR racing is going to be getting started back, and it was going to be, uh, it, it was going to be maybe a little bit different, but it was going to be done. You know what I'm saying? So, and it would be going yeah. on. That's exciting, right? It is. I, I just want something to be back. We got UFC fights this weekend. Uh, we're gonna have some type of live competition. Something. We got something going. I'm excited for that. Yeah, in terms of the uh in terms of the the UFC fighting, I mean, is that a sport that you've watched traditionally cuz I feel like it's really taken off over the past couple of years. Yeah, not I got a cousin who does uh film work for him. Like he films the fights. Um he's he's been into it since like day one. I've watched it when they came out on like VHS where it was like everybody versus everybody. Um but I'm not diehard, you know what I mean? Like Conor McGregor fights, I'll stream it, you know, somebody like a big one that I know. But I couldn't, I couldn't name you five guys, I don't think, you know. But I, I watch it, but I ain't diehard. Well, and, you know, from that standpoint, I think people will be introduced to it. If Korean baseball got a little love from people over on ESPN, you got to imagine that uh, UFC is going to get a lot of love this weekend. Oh, 100%. Tom, let me ask you this. You know, from the standpoint of college football, it seems like a weekly conversation. Are we getting closer to, to being out there? Ryan's theory is, look, he thinks we're going to have football. He thinks we'll start later. He says he doesn't have a magic notebook where that's written down. Are you feeling that way? I know I, I, it's a it's a test every week, but, Tom, it's a moving target. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, it, everything, every week, something happens. You know, uh, the barbershops are starting to open up now. Um, as long as the things that are opening up don't include like a spike and, uh, and infections and deaths, I think we're going to be okay. Um, the one company to keep your eye on about football season okay. would be how, how does Disney operate? Uh, when Disney opens, pay attention to see how they're doing. Um, everyone kind of, or at least around here, it follows their mold. Whatever you know, they do, they'll, they'll follow. Disney closed. Then Shiro closed, then Universal closed. Everyone kind of follows whatever they do. Oh, no, that's a good point. I know that, that they're one of the industries that's really struggling right now because of uh, the COVID 19, but that is a good point to kind of keep your eye on, on them. And I know here in the uh, in South Carolina, at least, they made an announcement earlier today that Monday uh, some restaurants will be opening up with restrictions for inside dining. So that's something to you know, to continue to follow as well. But, again, you can follow Clemson Tom on Twitter, at Clemson Tom. Tom, what have you given, your, what have you given into in terms of, you know, things to do to keep you occupied over the past couple of months? Well, I've been I've been going to work. Uh, my wife's been working from home. She's also been the teacher for Xander, kind of going through all that that mess. Um, we picked up golf, um, so Xander's been golfing on the weekend. Okay, and uh, that's really it, man. Like we can't really do too much. Uh, we just be kind of <laughs> doing what we can if we can do it, kind of thing. Uh, the restaurants opened up for us on Monday. 
Uh, so we've been hitting like our spots to, you know, kind of go in and support those guys. Um, that's kind of what we're doing, just going to you know, the spots we can do now. But the past few weeks, man, it's, it's been rough. Um, yeah, look, it is. To do. Yeah, listen, and, and uh, homeschooling, et cetera, I think for everybody, Tom, has been uh, – has been quite the chore uh, as well. From that standpoint, man, what do you what do you say to the the graduates, the former players, and athletes who missed out on that opportunity to celebrate their success this year? Man, I I, I don't know what to say. I've never you've never had to to have this kind of conversation. You know, if anything, I, I, my heart does go out to them. Um, the one that really kills me is like the athletes that you know were working really hard and they're, they're trying to have that, that good senior year to get noticed to do something. Um, I would say don't, you know, don't let this kind of hinder you at all. I mean, if you're good enough, you'll still get a shot, you know, try out out there no matter what um, social media, the way it is. I mean, you can put on a clinic and have it go viral. Um, look at Daniel Rodriguez for Clemson. Um, he had a workout video go viral and got picked up by Clemson. Yeah. You know what? That's a good um, point. Yeah. The effect the on the seniors in high school. Insane. Yeah, the effect yeah. on seniors in high school is huge. Yeah, I don't know, 100%. But with how social, like I said, how social media it is, you know, it doesn't, trust me, it doesn't take much to go viral. That's speaking from experience. <laughs> Clemson Tom on Clemson Sports Talk here, talking a little bit about everything going on in the world of sports, et cetera, because, of course, uh, right now, uh, it's sort of lacking, and, and I think everybody really misses it, Tom. But uh, from that standpoint, too, I think uh, we have had a chance to stop and smell the roses to some degree. And I continue to watch old, you know, video or old games and videos of yesteryear. Uh, who were some of those classic ball clubs that you used to follow? In what sport, though? That doesn't matter to me, man. Whatever, whatever tickled uh, your fancy back in the day. Well, back in the day, it was the Braves. You know, they always came on CBS. That was kind of the team we watched growing up, obviously. Um, I mean, football, that's self-explanatory. Um, I, didn't, <laughs> I, used to hate, I used to hate the Bulls because they were so good. Really? And the so you're ha- are you hating this documentary? No, man, because it's, it's, it's making me like rem- – because they were so – I hated them because they were so good. And I was a Magic fan, and yeah, they would hate- always beat my Magic. Right. Yeah. So you know what I mean. So I, it was like a, it was like a love hate. And then looking back, I was like, I, I I was too young to really understand the emotions of it, but it was it made me enjoy the the game of basketball because I'm like, man, we it's Penny versus Michael tonight. You know, it we got Horace Grant going against Pippen. It was just you know Shaq and like watch the documentary. See all this. Like, man, those are those are some good games. You know, my dad let me stay up. To watch the Magic games if it went late, um, it's, it, it definitely made me reminisce. Like, man, that was in the good old days, man. That was that was when basketball had so many just star, you know, players. Kind of like it's, it's starting to come back now. So it, it, it definitely it, it's fun to watch those, man. Clemson Tom on the show that shakes the Southland a little later than usual, but here with us nonetheless. Tom, can you hold through the break, my man? Absolutely. All right, we got you. We're going to put Tom on hold. We'll come back with more here on a Friday afternoon as we send you off into the weekend. A weekend with sports, sort of, with the the UFC taking place this weekend. Stay with us. What have you done for me lately? It's a fair question. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Don't forget history. History. 
for us at Clemson. The answer to the questions, what have you done for me lately, and what have you done always, are the same. We win. segment on a final segment on a Friday afternoon. Lawton Swan hanging out with you. Clemson Tom on the line. Tom, my man. The NFL schedule came out yesterday. That was a pretty big event for everybody invested. Oh, of course. That was something. I, I kind of forgot it was coming out yesterday and then it happened and you're like, oh my gosh. We've got to update <laughs> with the real world. <laughs> News. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, well, oh, yeah. according according to their predictions, you know, you look at the the worst teams. I, I've been kind of a kind of pushing for the Carolina Panthers to find their way into that top pick next year to take uh, Trevor Lawrence as their first ever uh, draft pick. But I, I believe the team that, in fact, they had predicted last is right down there in your neck of the woods, essentially the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nah, they're gonna take them. I heard that too, man. I they they just need a miracle. I that's what kind of isn't cool. He's going to go to a team that no one is going to really like, and we're just going to have to deal with it, man. <laughs> so, but what are you going to do, man? It is what it is. Well, and and I'll, I'll give Jacksonville this at least from the standpoint, and maybe even more so from the NFL, the standpoint of I, I thought at least what ESPN did was a decent job in spreading the wealth because there's not really a dominant team, a lot of ten and six, a lot of seven and nine, a lot of nine and seven. So, I mean, it could shift significantly one way or the other if a team just comes out and, and completely falls apart. And for the Carolina Panther fans, by the way, a six and ten predicted schedule for the Carolina Panthers and their new head coach Matt rule not exactly uh busting things up so maybe just maybe uh they can find their way down the uh down the path towards uh trevor lawrence so to speak yeah i think we can only hope i guess well i mean they got the bucks you you know they got the bucks in their their division now with tom brady uh, they got the 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 Saints, who everybody expects to be really good. The Falcons are probably going to be yeah. better. The Panthers are definitely going to be last in the NFC South. If you're last in your Clearly. division, yeah, we're not even. That's not even debatable. Go go further. Like, why not reach it? No, dig man, a little I just don't because I just don't. I just don't think the Panthers are going to do much, man. I mean, I could be completely wrong. Um, I mean, they got a better. Who's the quarterback they just got? Uh, gosh, what Bridgewater. 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 Yeah, Bridgewater. So I man, I don't know. He could be something good, man. Who who knows with this guy? And and who knows if he can click with the system. So I, I kind of, in a selfish way, I I hope they do bad because I I think it'd be really good for the fan base if if the Panthers do get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Um, I guess that's not that's not a horrible spot for him. It is a it is a decent. It's not the Browns, let's put it that way. But at the same time, it's not the Steelers. Um, but. I wouldn't be surprised if you have a team that trades down for them. Like, um, let's say if you do get the Bucks, and they, let's say they have like a mediocre year, you know, where they're like the 13th pick, and then next thing you know, like we'll we'll give you Brady for the number one pick. 
you know, we'll do, we'll throw in this and our draft pick. Well, well, well in Cincinnati, I, Cincinnati's interesting. I mean, they just took Joe Burrow. They have a chance to be one of the worst teams in the league, which would they you, could. Know, you would think they would trade that pick down, and that would give anybody really a chance to move up. You could. I mean, who knows, man? You probably, kind of, honestly, Tom, you're probably rooting for that scenario if you're Trevor Lawrence, right? I would think that you would want to go to a team that's a little bit better, someone that would trade uh, down for you. That's not really bad, but you're kind of the missing piece to them. That's that's probably your best-case scenario. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure he'll go anywhere he gets drafted, man. I was talking to some Clemson players that got drafted this past year, and I was like, man, I got you going here. They're like – the answer was unanimous. I don't care where I go. I just want a chance. So after a while, you're like, well – can't really blame them. I mean, I would sign with the Browns right now if they if they paid me and gave me a chance to do something. I don't know how their pole vaulters are looking, but <laughs> well, maybe maybe you'll get that opportunity, and maybe you will get that opportunity to uh, watch some NBA action. As apparently NBA facilities are reopening, um, your thoughts on this that is standpoint news. as a big NBA guy? No, this is news to me. When did this happen? So are they are they coming back? Are the Magic going to be able to come back? I don't what know. Are they looking like this is yeah. news. You're breaking news to me right now. Well, the facilities are reopening, but they don't know if the season's any closer. I'll put it that way. Nah, LeBron's probably going to claim another championship just to be like, I won. Sorry. Well, and and I said this, man. If there's a shortened year this year because of the break, well, not shortened, but you know, uh, uh, the break helping out LeBron, and then a shortened season next year because there's not much gap in between the postseason and the 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 mm-hmm. new year. That I think benefits a guy in LeBron James who's aging. What if they did this? What if they brought everybody back? Let's say they give them. All right, we're opening back up. Let's say all right. Let's, we'll just say May. May's the practice month, right? June June one, they do a seven game series. And they do it all by uh, conference divisions. Like you'll have the East, South, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, they do it all by that. The top two teams advance. So it's almost it's almost like a, uh, a March Madness. Or what if they did a March Madness bracket? And like, this is it. And they do it like the Canadian League, where no matter if you're the worst or, the, or you're first, everyone goes to the playoffs in, in, in their football division. Um, and they just did that. And then what if they did, all right, round one's a three-game series. And then, then a five, then you know, normal. They do it like they normally do. What if they did that? Just throw it all like in the no hopper. Rest. Let's let's make this thing exciting. Throw it out there. Yeah, just throw it all out there. And then, if it's a five game series, seven game series, you can eventually be done in a week with hardly any rest. And then you just jump out. Then there's multiple games throughout the day, just like March Madness. Can you imagine the TV market? The, the God, that'd be awesome. Oh, dude, people would, people would gobble oh, it up left and right, Tom. Oh, Brother, dude, I hate to tell you, but we only got about 18 do. seconds left in the show, but I like your idea on the NBA. Have I a good weekend, my man. You too, brother. All right, Clemson Tom on Twitter. He's at Clemson Tom. We're out of here until Monday. As always, y'all take care now. And go Tigers!